0: Good morning Freedom Church uh, and welcome again to our Encounter series on Jesus. Uh, I wanted to start by just explaining we moved uh, seven years ago from Leeds to plant Freedom Church and I want to tell you a story that I heard, this was just a year after we left, it was one of our friends who's still in the area of Beeston and it involves someone famous, Uh, it's the MP of Beeston, it involves Hilary Benn. Uh, Some of you may have heard of him, he's a pretty good politician actually and his dad was Tony Benn, he was also well-known. And um, this event happened literally the day after his father's funeral, Tony Benn had died back in 2014. And he was one of the most respected, even most loved politicians that we've ever had in this country. And you know, all of us who have experienced someone close to us dying knows that the day after the funeral is absolute agony. because What you've done is you've kept yourself busy making arrangements for the funeral. It gives you a focus, some meaning if you like in those days of grief. And it's that next day when you wake up and suddenly there's nothing to do. And this new wave of grief often hits you. So when Hillary Benn turns up to this event the day after his father's funeral, he was visibly really upset. He's in a room full of people and he just starts to cry as he comes into this room And we're not just talking about subtle, polite tears rolling down his cheeks. He was literally sobbing. And the room just froze. Here's this man that everybody respects, the big man, this important man who's turned up to this meeting. And he is sobbing. And the event awkwardly continues. And when it's time for his speech, he was given the keynote speech right at the end. He is still literally sobbing. And he stands up and he opens his mouth and he just continues to sob. He eventually manages to calm himself just enough to say, as, as you know, my dad died two weeks ago. And again, he just trails off into more sobs. And by this point, most other people in the room are actually crying too. Um, he's managed to create this totally unashamed overflow of emotion that's given per- people in the room permission For everybody else to engage in their own grief or sympathy with his and this friend of mine tells me that was this incredibly powerful moment and you could hear a pin drop and after a few minutes as Hillary again managed to calm himself you could hear this pin drop in this room and he went on to say that though they'd buried his father the day before he was desperate to come up to Leeds today for this event because it embodied everything that his father had ever taught him. It was an event about community transformation, about honoring people and working for social justice. And he spoke passionately, actually, about the need for everyone to play their part in improving the lives of others. And he was gathering, mementing and rallying the troops, so to say. But she said this, she said what really struck her was he said this one thing, He said, people came to him, come to him all the time, saying, listen, I'm cynical about politics. What's the point? We all do this, but nothing ever changes. The system is corrupt, it's beyond help.' And Hillary said, he said, you know what? Their opinion is valid. There is much wrong with the system, but cynicism never changes communities. It's belief and hope that changes people's lives. He says, that's what my father taught me, and that's what I'm going to keep telling people for the rest of my life. And he sat down and uh, he continued to cry. And I wanted to pick up this point here. He said, cynicism never changes communities. It's belief and hope that changes people's lives. And uh, as I listened to this story about Hillary, I agreed wholeheartedly with, um, with what he's saying but there was something missing. Belief and hope in what? And how do I myself stop being cynical? Because even as a Christian, I know I can be prone to that mindset. And if we're honest, I think all of us at some point uh, or some time we find ourselves feeling cynical. Do you know, perhaps it's when we've worked so hard at something, but nothing's changed. We feel like, you know, what's the point? We lose hope, we become disillusioned and disheartened. And what about people letting you down? Other people not pulling their weight. That's another thing that happens to all of us that can cause us to become cynical. Or even just the overwhelm and need, the brokenness and injustice in a world around us. You know, what can we do? How could we ever make a difference? Yes, it's true. Cynicism gets us nowhere. It is belief and hope that changes lives, but how are we supposed to beat cynicism? And what is it that we're to put our hope in or believe in? And this is what I wanna address this morning by looking at a story from John's Gospel about a man who goes through this journey of cynicism to hope, who starts skeptical, even judgmental, perhaps disillusioned, but then he meets Jesus. And his whole life is turned around because he finds someone that he can believe in, someone who gives him hope. So if you've got your Bibles there, sit in your 11 rooms, turn with me to John chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 43 to 51. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Wow, what a story, hey? Um, We're looking at this man, Nathaniel, I wanna look at three things throughout this preach, and that is literally the man, that is Nathaniel, this encounter that he has with Jesus and his response um, to Jesus in this. So let's start with the man. Do you know, early on in Jesus' ministry, he's obviously calling his first followers and he finds this guy, Philip, and, This was normal at that time for young Jewish men to be students of different teachers, to follow a teacher around and become their disciples. This wasn't unnatural. So Jesus finds Philip and Philip runs off to find Nathanael. And we read, yes, I'll come. I just wanna go and run and get my friend Nathanael because he's a student and he'll be interested too. I want him to hear what you have to say too. And most scholars would actually say that Nathanael is also Bartholomew, the disciple. Um, he's also mentioned alongside Philip in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and yet in John, he never uses that name Bartholomew. But in honesty, when we're trying to understand who is this guy that we're looking at today, Nathaniel, we actually don't know a huge amount about this guy. We know he has a friend called Philip. We know he's a Jew who is searching for answers and truth. Nathaniel is a student, he's a learner, a thinker. And from Jesus' comments later on in this story we We can probably understand he's a pretty moral guy. He's disciplined. He most probably knows his stuff. He thinks he lives a good life. I think knowledge is probably important to this guy. But we also know that even though his good friend approaches him with this amazing news that he's found the Messiah, he's not just going to go with the crowds. It's not an emotional decision that Nathaniel is going to make. He actually wants proof. He's one of those straight talkers who says it as he thinks, and uh, there's this little seed of doubt in his heart. There's cynicism, even pride, maybe, and we see it as he responds to Philip. He says, "Doesn't he, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there?" And do you know, at this point in time in the story, Nathaniel is in danger of missing out on an encounter with the most significant person in all of history and I want to ask why is he like this what is it that's made him so cynical and the honest answer is we don't know but maybe maybe he's tired of hearing teacher after teacher telling him this is the way to live or this is the way to live maybe he just thinks he knows better by now you know he was from Cana and Nazareth was this small little town near to him so the thought that the messiah comes from Nazareth, is just ridiculous. It reminds me of an advert from when I was younger. Uh, and it was an advert about milk, and it was Ian Rush. And uh, he basically encouraged this child to drink milk. And he says, if you don't, you'll end up playing for Achrington Stanley. And, um, sorry, that was my Scouse accent, but that didn't come off well, did it? And he, um, the kid goes, "Acklington Stanley, who are they? And that was the exact point, There are nobody. And this was the point for Nazareth. Jesus, the Messiah of the world, comes from this little tiny place. It's like, who are they? You know? And Nathaniel's preconceptions and contempt for Nazareth have affected his faith. And you might be sitting on your couch today tuning in. And this is actually how you feel about Christianity. You might be feeling like, what good can possibly come from the church? Because let's be honest, the church has caused an awful lot of damage in its time. Or you might be thinking, how can I believe in someone they can't even see? How can I believe in one man being the person who has changed world history forever? And so before even thinking about investigating the Christian faith for yourself, you decided, just like Nathaniel might have, to write it off. And I wanna urge you today not to just write it off because of misconceptions or preconceptions. You know, we have 1.4 billion people on planet Earth who seem to believe there is something worth investigating in the Christian faith. And I want to encourage you, you could start by joining an alpha course. Uh, this is a course that helps us to investigate and ask questions about who Jesus is and learn about some of the facts. In fact, Freedom Church is going to be running one coming up in September. um, And we'd love you to join that. Keep an eye out on our website for the dates for that. We'd love to send you some books. If you genuinely want to investigate the claims about Jesus' resurrection, we can do that. But I want to encourage you, don't miss out on missing who I believe to be the most important person to have ever lived. It's Jesus Christ. Now, thankfully, in this story, we find out that Nathaniel chooses to meet this man he chooses to come and ask some questions to investigate him for himself so secondly we move on to the encounter that he has with Jesus and I just want to read again just to remind ourselves it says when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching he said of him here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered you, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What an amazing encounter. You know, in a moment, he's gone from this sceptic to absolute belief. His cynicism is totally dissolved and he finds someone that he can believe in. He's actually come from scouting out what Jesus had to say, looking to be maybe impressed by his teaching. But what does Jesus actually give him? He tells him something about himself. He says, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Do you know throughout this little story here, we have references to a character in the Old Testament. And this would have been well known to any Jew of that day. They would have got these references. And he's referencing Jacob. Okay, and Jacob is a guy who's in the Old Testament. But Jacob's name literally means deceiver or cheater. And this was because he deceived his brother out of his birthright. And uh, he's later renamed by God Israel. So, this phrase that we hear by Jesus could literally be said here is a true Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. Now listen i remember back in leeds we um we had quite a large leadership team and we gathered together and we had this guy who had a prophetic gift and uh, that meant he would speak over us things that he felt god wanted to tell us um and we stood in this room and he came in and he started uh prophesying over some of the people in this room and i remember uh one of our friends was a music teacher and his wife led worship in the church and um he started seeing notes music notes over them and so he started talking about their musical ability and uh, their heart for worship and they were absolutely amazed and shocked that God would speak to this guy about some of who they are I remember we had another friend who was just this uh, very very bright intelligent organizational guy and he'd always talked about writing his book to us as friends as close friends and he came in and this guy's prophesied over him. He says, I see I see your organisation. I see how you like to box things up. You have a place for everything. And God wants you to know that you are to write the book that you've always talked about writing. Now, there was no Facebook at this point in time. This was God speaking through this prophet. And it was amazing to hear, amazing for the individuals who receive these prophecies because it was affirming the traits of Each of the individuals in this room, it was a sort of recognition and affirmation of who they are. And Jesus is doing it here, right here for Nathaniel. And he's saying to him, I know you and I affirm you. It's this instant acceptance that Jesus wants him to know. And Nathaniel's overwhelmed again, just just like we were in this room. We were overwhelmed that God would want to speak to us. Nathaniel can't take it in. He's like, how do you know me? And Jesus responds, he says, I saw you under the fig tree. And you know, this is odd, to be honest. Um, Lots of scholars struggle to understand what's fully being said here. What does it mean? I saw you under the fig tree. What was going on? Is it a literal place? Is it figurative? Some suggest it's a little bit like a phrase that we just don't understand anymore. A little bit like if I was to say, this person went down to the nags head. Now, in most other cultures, we wouldn't know what we were talking about. What do you mean we went down to the nags head? In our culture, we understand that means I'm going down to the pub. And in this culture, scholars, some scholars think this was some kind of phrase linked with that. Uh, I saw you under the fig tree. And actually, the phrase is all about contemplating life, asking some big questions about life. But if I'm totally honest, we don't know whether this is something figurative or literal. But we do know the impact that Jesus saying this had on Nathaniel. Clearly to him, it was something so important, so intimate. And Jesus knows him and he accepts him. And essentially in this story, Jesus is saying, look, you're a a learner, you're a thinker, but you think you need knowledge and reasoned arguments. What you actually need at this point in your life is acceptance. You need to know that I know you. Now, remember who Nathaniel is. Again, he's a student. He knows scripture. He actually knows he's a sinner. He knows he deserves judgment from God." He knows he doesn't match up to this law that he's under. And he knows about the awesome holiness of the God Yahweh that he worships. You know, he's spent his whole life so far trying to find what will get him in. He's probably followed teacher after teacher who claimed to know the way. And he's come to this new teacher on this day. Skepticism still there in his heart. What's this one going to say this time? Am I going to be able to do what he says? Is this going to work out? What if I try so hard and yet it's still not good enough? But you know, what is he met with through Jesus? Jesus again affirms him. Here is an Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Jesus brings this affirmation, this love and this acceptance to this man. Now, Nathaniel came thinking it's about what he does. And Jesus says, No, it's not about what you do. I know you and I still accept you and love you for who you are. Now, this is what Nathaniel's been looking for. I don't think he realized it until it happens. But to be understood, to be loved just for who we are, is an incredible feeling. I think it's what we crave more than anything. I just want to say Christianity. It isn't some vague moral concept. It's actually all about our relationship with God, with Jesus. I want to say to you today, Jesus wants to have daily encounters with us where he almost looks us in the eye and you understand that he understands us. He knows our pains and our struggles. He knows our failures and our mistakes. And yet he affirms us and he loves us. And in that moment, that look of the eye, we get to receive the grace of God that enables us to lose that that cynicism, lose that baggage. And we get to be who we really are, who God created us to be. In that moment of grace, this encounter with Jesus, what happens to the cynicism that he's holding? It totally dissolves. He's undone, isn't he? And he says, Rabbi, You are the son of God. And we have this cynicism replaced by belief. And just to really drive the point home in this story, where does it go next? Well, verse 50 says, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending On the Son of Man. I love this. Jesus goes from this affirmation to almost rebuking him for believing too quickly in him. You believe because I told you so. There's so much more for you to see, Jesus is saying. But what's he talking about? With this heaven open and angels descending and ascending. Again, it's coming back to this character that I mentioned earlier, Jacob. Uh, and it's from uh, chapter 28 in Genesis. And we see the story of Jacob about him encountering the presence of God on earth. And Jacob is travelling, and he has a dream where he sees a ladder or a stairway from earth to heaven, with angels going up and down on it between heaven and earth, signifying a connection point between God and man. And God speaks to Jacob and encounters him powerfully. And so, for Jesus to reference this scripture to say to Nathaniel, you will see this. Man, this is an extremely powerful, a, a controversial claim for Jesus to make. He's now saying to Jacob, now through me, you will encounter God in a way Jacob could only dream of. You see, the presence of God is no longer confined to particular specific places but I am the presence of God. He was God incarnate. Jesus is saying, I am God. And the presence is no longer confined to the temple as the Jewish race were used to. The presence is now walking around planet earth, touching people. And he has the authority to save and to heal people. And we see that, don't we, throughout scriptures. So what does our understanding of Jesus becoming this bridge between heaven and earth mean for us in our lives well it means I believe that we can know God and experience his presence and not only does that deal with our cynicism and disillusionment but it totally changes our perspective on our lives It gives us a new purpose and a motivation a new hope if you like so Jesus says to Nathaniel you thought you needed knowledge of what is true the answers to your questions but you know what that's only left you cynical. Have you found that in people that you've met? I certainly have. We can do that in ourselves as well, can't we? Chasing head knowledge. But actually, it doesn't come close to an encounter. And Jesus actually says, what you need is me. And this was not possible before, but now it is. Because here I am, God on planet Earth. Come, come. And be my disciples. Come and follow me. Come and have relationship with me. Now, this story of an encounter with Jesus, a moment in which Jesus demonstrates absolute knowledge, absolute acceptance, and then goes on to say, this is now the expectation. Heaven is invading earth. It's possible to meet with God and to know him and to be known by him. And honestly, if we want to tackle cynicism in our own hearts, then we need to encounter Jesus daily, to know him and to be known by him. Finally, then, let's just look at this response, Nathaniel's response to this encounter. It's uh, verse 49. It says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, to us, this phrase, you're the king, we understand it. It sounds nice, but not necessarily as groundbreaking as it was in this story that we're aware of we're familiar with these terms but for an Israelite like Nathaniel, this is not said lightly he had been waiting his whole life for the king of Israel talked about by the prophets in scripture all of the teachers that he's had before he hasn't called any of them king he's only going to do that once in his life And when he does so, he's going to mean it because he knows that the true king is worth his total commitment. Now, remember, Nathaniel nearly misses out on this encounter with Jesus because he was cynical about Nazareth. Pride was his weapon that he was holding on to. Maybe he thought a lot of himself. He looked down on others and where they were from and who they were. And he nearly disregarded Jesus based on where he came from. But Nathaniel, not only in the story does he recognise who Jesus is, but he proclaims it out loud and he ends up surrendering his life to him as the king. So what does it mean for us then if we're come to recognise who Jesus is? I want to suggest it also means that we are to surrender our lives to Jesus. We actually need to drop the stuff that we're using as defences, the stuff we think is gonna protect us or maybe save us. It's actually about giving up our control and saying, I'm entrusting myself to you. I'm letting go. I'm totally in your hands. Do you know for me there's lots of things that I can think of that at times we need to put down like self-reliance and control and uh, man's recognition. But I want us to just come back to where we started from this morning this sentence, cynicism doesn't change communities. It's belief and hope that changes lives. So why are we cynical? I wanna suggest that in our lives, all of us are cynical because what we've actually done is we've placed that belief and hope in ourselves and in others. And honestly, that is only gonna lead to disappointment and frustration, no matter how gifted or kind someone is. But when we encounter Jesus, I wanna say we meet someone who knows us, um, even though we may not know him. He loves us even though we've not shown him love, even though all we may have actually shown him is contempt. And yet we find out he laid down his life for you and I because he wants us to know freedom and intimacy with him. Because he loves us in spite of all of our failures. So I want to end by saying, if you don't know Jesus today, I want to encourage you to at least come and find out more about who the Bible says He is and the evidence around His resurrection life. Get in touch with us again through our website, through our YouTube channel, um, and we'd love to send you resources. We'd love to send you some books. We'd love to chat with you. We'd love you to invite you to our Alpha course. Come and encounter the one who knows you who loves you and accepts you today and if you're Christians this morning if you know Jesus i want to encourage you that it's amazing to see these encounters where we see amazing change but i want to say and encourage you that one count one encounter with jesus or anyone in fact is never enough to sustain a deep and meaningful relationship with him it's only the beginning God wants us to bring hope to a broken world. And he can only do that when we encounter his love, power and acceptance, not from an academic perspective, but from an experiential one. We don't wanna be living on the dregs of an encounter from 20 years ago. I wanna encourage you today to ask him to help you to deal with cynicism that's in our hearts cynicism that can so easily paralyze us in life. He wants to have encounters with you on a daily basis. God bless you. I hope this serves you well.